Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Armor Report. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. This is a show about stock market investing. For those of you who are new, for those of you who've been here for a while, thanks for coming back and spending some of your Saturday with me. Um, quantum mental investing. The combination, quantitative execution, which is called algorithms, and a fundamental foundation, put those two together, that's the information edge I'm sharing with you. Today, what we're going to talk about is obviously the crash of 2020, which we've been talking about now, you know, since really the 24th of February, when I came on this channel and I said to you guys, the armor risk monitor is a hundred percent cash telling us red. It's a red signal. So all seven indexes that we follow in our index only portfolio is now a hundred percent cash that portfolio. That was the first day of the market crash. Okay. So we're going to keep watching that risk monitor. I'm going to talk to you about what we're doing now in our portfolios. And I'm going to discuss with you what I expect out of these algorithms going forward. Okay. And there's basically two ways as I see it, two ways for us to get involved in the stock market at this point. I'm going to go over those. I'm also going to talk about um, gold. I want to share with you some thoughts on what happens in a crash, correlations break down, and how important stop losses are. We're going to look at gold and silver. We're going to see where the armor report removed gold from the portfolio and what happened next. And I'm going to tell you why we did it. Then we're going to wrap up real quick with some Gilead, right? The Gilead update. We stay on that story. Okay. And then I'm going to open it up to Q&A because during times like this, I find, you know, you guys have a lot of questions. I'm getting a lot of email questions. So I'm going to answer some of those. Any questions you guys have, start, start, you know, adding them to this um, message board. And when we get to the end of some of my thoughts here, I'll start answering those questions. All right. Um, don't forget, this information is about my own portfolio and the capital I manage um, through our affiliation with interactive brokers. Anybody who has an interest in having us manage your capital, you could do that through interactive brokers. So I'm not telling you what to do. This is a YouTube audience. I love all you guys, but I don't know you all. So I couldn't possibly say, do this. I don't know what your portfolio looks like. So please take this information in the spirit with which it's intended, which is to give you guidance and help you think. Um, all right. The first, the first thought I want to go over, I keep talking about the risk monitor. So let's just, oh, don't forget, guys, if you really like this, I appreciate it. Just give me a like. It helps me on YouTube. And anybody who wants to subscribe either to this channel or to the Armour Report, I set up some links for you right down in the description section there. So take a look. All right. Um, I have um, – I talk a lot about the risk monitor. 
And so anybody who's a subscriber to the Armour Report knows. In fact, I told you guys the Friday before February 24th, and I wrote in my Armour Insider Week in Review that Saturday that if we have another bad day Monday, chances are we're going to get ripped out of all of our positions. So that's what happened. The 24th of February, all indexes, the algorithms we have on all indexes told us to be 100% cash. And we did that in our index-only portfolio. That's the first day of the crash. I don't want you to think that the algorithm is a crystal ball. It picked basically the top, and it's going to pick the bottom. That's not what's going to happen. I want to, I want to make sure your expectations, perhaps your excitement, okay, over um, having access to this type of powerful information from an algorithm is going to um, be right every time or get you in at the bottom or all of these things. Not going to happen, okay? It's not going to be right every time, all right? It's great that it was right this time, okay? And when it comes to um, um, market tops, it's designed to, to protect your capital, right? So I say the ARMA report stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. So I don't know if always is the right word because who knows, you know, some exogenous event could occur and the market could drop 20% overnight. So I can't always get you out at the top. <clears throat> but under normal circumstances, and this is pretty non-normal and it worked again, the strategies will protect capital after a big run. And I said for the whole month of February, maybe even starting in January, I said, guys, be careful here because we're two and a half standard deviations above the 200-day moving average on all of the indexes. And that's generally a very dangerous sign. I don't know when the music's going to stop, but when it stops, there's not going to be chairs for everybody. All right, exhibit A. Did our algorithms know a crash was coming? N no. It's not a neural network. I didn't write this. I don't have an MIT background. Okay. All these algorithms are, they're very simple. They're written around probabilities and statistics using standard deviations and a whole bunch of other things, including volatility. Okay. It's thousands of lines of code. I've been, you know, it's like my opus. I've been working on this my whole life. I chose these seven indexes to help direct our risk. The S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ 100, the small cap index. Those are the bigs. Then the secondary, the momentum index, the value index, and the IBD 50. When those seven all tell us you got to raise cash on the same day, the accuracy rate that the market is going lower is enormous. That's why I wrote the strategies. It doesn't predict a crash. For all I know, market could have gone down for a couple weeks, maybe 8 to 10%, reversed and skyrocketed again. I don't know. Okay? But the object is to protect your capital because we never know when this type of a crash is about to happen. And so here we are at this point where um, 
on the way up, when the market's skyrocketing, I get into these debates with buy and hold uh, um, uh, investors who tell me it's a waste of time to protect capital. Well, the market drops 8 10%, no big deal. I'm long-term holder, okay? I just, that thought never makes any sense to me. You know, are you still a long-term holder? Down 30% in the averages means you're down a lot more in the individual stocks. Why put yourself through that agita? Even if you want to be smug about it when the market's going up and say, see, market always goes up. I would submit to you, why put yourself through the agita of what we're living through today? Let's move on. Um, so, will the average, will the, the algorithms, which by the way are designed for the volatility of each index, so they're different algorithms for each, will they call the bottom in here? And will that first entry point make money for all of us? Will it be the bottom? Or will we step in and get stopped out the next day? Okay, in 2008, see, this is why I want to have this conversation with you. I want you guys, I want Armour subscribers, Armour insiders that are watching this, I want you to understand this is not going to be simple. We, the likelihood that we step in on a risk-on buy signal and immediately get stopped out is high in a market crash. In 2008, it happened a couple times during the year. So on the one hand, we have massive alpha, right? We're outperforming everybody you know so far this year, right? Because we're out near the top and the market's crashed. So we could step in and take a shot when we get a risk on entry point. And we, get, we might get stopped out. In fact, in 2008, a couple times, we got stopped out the very next day. Got long, got stopped out. Took a loss. Market cratered, tried it again. We lost money in 2008 in the index-only portfolio, right? Because it's just going to follow the algorithms. Now, in your portfolio, in my portfolio, that's not index-only following algorithms, we can think through it differently. We don't have to get 100% invested, you know, 50% invested. Position size is going to be key at this point. If you want to play in this type of a market, you have to think of position size. You can't take the same big shots that you would in a normal volatility market. Okay? This volatility is insane. The S&P is going up and down 5 to 10% a day. That's like a small cap growth stock. Okay? So to take the same position size when volatility has gone berserk, yeah, you can make a fortune on a given day. And we'll get to that. I mean, I'm day trading like crazy right now because that's where the money is for me. But at the end of the day, I'm not willing to carry that overnight because I don't know what the next piece of news is going to be. Nobody does. This gets me to my point about the algorithms again. How do I know? Um, we are going to get risk on buy. Let's say the market's up big on Monday. It's very possible we're going to get some buy signals on the algos. How am I going to handle that in my own account? How am I going to handle that for Armour subscribers? What am I going to write to you guys? Well, I'm going to tell everybody right now, position size is going to be key. And if you don't want to play on this first buy signal, that's fine. Because statistically speaking, in a market crash, the first couple buy signals don't even work. Why don't they work? The algorithms are written 
based on statistics and probabilities and volatility. Statistics, probabilities, and volatility. Volatility is absurd right now. So the algorithm is written, you could argue, okay, that the outcome of what we've written is going to be different than in a normal volatility market. So the way to handle that is, number one, don't trade until volatility gets back to normal, right? A series of days where the market starts to behave normally, where the S&P might have a range of 1% to 2% instead of 5 to 10%, okay? So you could literally just step away and say, even the algorithms are probably not going to be great because they were written for, uh, um, for the market the way it behaves, you know, 95% of the time. And right now we're in the 5% of the time of mayhem. So I just want to caution everybody. Will I put money to work when I get a risk on buy signal across the board? I will because that's what I do. It doesn't have to be what you do. I will, but I'm going to do a smaller position size. Because how can you not when volatility is something like five times greater than normal right now in the S&P? Okay. I also look at my entry points and what my stops are. Now, I did a video for you guys. Anybody who hasn't seen it, please go watch it. It's a video about stop losses. I take you through step-by-step step what the armor stop loss rules are. When you take a position, we have three exits. Low of the day we bought it, low of the move we're buying, low of the structure we're buying. Okay, there's no structure right now in the S&P or any index. So you can figure out that stop. So it's either the low of the day we bought or the low of the move we bought. If we get a risk-on buy signal at the end of the day Monday with the market up another 5%, let's say. So we had a 10% move Friday, 5%. So now we're up like 15% off below, and we're putting a position on. Theoretically, you shouldn't sell that position until it takes out the low of Friday. 15% stop doesn't help anybody. Do you see the problem, the conundrum? So you can't put the same amount of capital for it. Either you don't put the trade on, okay? You either don't put the trade on because the stop is too big. And so until you get to a, an entry point where the stop makes statistically logical sense, you don't trade. We have written some of that code into the algorithms. So we may not get a buy signal on Monday, even if the market's up. I don't know. Right. I have to see there's so many pieces, There's like thousands of lines of code. So I, I, I can't guess what's going to happen. But I'm just saying to you guys, if the stops are ridiculous because they're so far away, then you just can't play. Hey, that sounded good. I mean, maybe I'll make that a, um, one of the rules on the armor, uh, armor report rules of the road. If the stops too far away, then you just can't play. OK. Um, the other thing we're going to be doing, we're going to look to do, and what I did in my personal account, I don't tell you guys about this. I don't write about it. I don't, I don't, um, I don't tell Armor Insiders I'm doing this today because it's got nothing to do with the algorithms. It's just pure gut feel and where we are. And I'm buying index options, okay, at certain points throughout the day, and I carry them overnight. 
That's it. I have limited risk. I know what my risk is. My position size is right. That's how I'm playing right now. I day trade during the day, the cues and the spies. I capture a gain, flip out the position, take the profit, buy the calls for overnight. Because I don't want to carry a, a lot overnight. I don't know what's going to happen next. So the calls are, I mean, I'm basically using the house's money there to see if I can make a little more money overnight. I, I don't know. Okay, I don't recommend that from anybody, really. This is just my own thing I'm doing. And I certainly am not doing it for any clients. Um, but a lot of you guys ask me what I do. So that's, that's what I'm doing right now. You know what, guys? There's nothing wrong with stepping away and going playing golf for a, a week. Just relaxing and staying away from the hysteria until it dies down. We get a normal environment, normal patterns, and we'll get great entry points. There's nothing to worry about there. Uh, I am concerned that clients keep calling me wanting to buy the dip. This is not a dip anymore. It's a crash. And I submit to you that right now it looks like it's sell the rip is what's going on. Right? So, you know, BTFD, right? Buy the fucking dip. That's what it's been like for a decade. And it, and it looks like it's sell the fucking rip right now. So until that changes, you know, I'm not really interested in holding things overnight. Everyone's still worried. Can you believe it? I got guys calling me up. They're still worried there's going to be a V-shaped reversal here. The whole country's on lockdown, and you're worried about V-shaped reversals. I, you know... I can't worry about that. I have to look at what the statistical probability is of behavior, not the outlier. If there's a V-shaped reversal and I miss it, that's just the way it went. I'm more concerned about protecting my capital and then capturing upside. Okay? Um, what I've said before that I might do for clients, for myself, is if the market goes down enough, 30%, I don't know. It just didn't feel like enough to me in the environment we're in. I could be wrong, though. Um, and I've got the options, so that'll help me. But I don't know. If we take out the lows of the Fed intervention last week, the market's going to implode because the fear will go through the roof. And on that type of action, I might start laying in small positions in the Qs and the S&P. Okay? It's possible last week's going to hold because the Fed came out and added a couple trillion dollars over the next few weeks of liquidity, okay? Now we're going to get some fiscal stimulus, okay? The White House, the House, everyone's going to agree on some things, okay? And so the bottom could be in. I don't know. My guess is there is no guess. I don't know if the market will gap up tomorrow morning or, or come back down and test the lows again, you know? But if the market comes down and takes out the lows of the Fed announcement, it's going to get ugly quick. And when it gets ugly quick, that's when I might be out there adding some because I think the Fed will come out and start doing other things. The Fed won't quit until they support the market. Okay? So anyway, those are my thoughts on the market. Everybody has to do what is comfortable for them at a time like this. Trying to trade on what I'm doing is only going to cause you a headache. Okay? So to wrap up, I'll let you guys know, the insiders, you will know right away when the algorithms for the risk manager goes positive and we start adding positions. You can then, as an insider, look at the portfolios, aggressive, balanced, and conservative, and see how I'm building them. All right? And I'll probably give you an idea of what my position sizes are. 
by telling you that, you know, they're half what they would have been, or they're a third of what they would have been, or they're a quarter of what I normally do. Okay. All right. Um, this brings me to rule number six on the Armour Report Rules of the Road. Armour subscribers, go. you can check it out later. I have a, all the rules that I've been compiling over the years. I'm building, I'm basically going to write a book and hand it to my children. I have a six-year-old son, a three-year-old daughter. I'm thinking about them. I'm sharing the information with you now. And rule number six on this list is that you've got to come up with your investing plan when the TV is off and the market is closed. And then execute that plan ruthlessly. Don't give up on it. Don't let the market or CNBC change your thinking that you had when everything was quiet and you thought things through correctly. I highlight that rule number six because it's needed right now, brother. Okay? It's needed right now. Think things things through. Think them through clearly. Take your time. Execute. Don't let hysteria get you off your game. Um, as I see all these questions, I am going to get to a bunch of them. All right, we're going to get to them. Just let me get to the end of some of my thoughts here, all right, and then we'll talk. Um, okay, gold. I wanted to share with you a chart pattern and why the Armour Report, all the insiders know this. Our portfolios got out of our gold positions on the 11th. Oops, that's not working. On the 11th um, and uh, and the 12th. Okay, I just want to I want to give you this picture in a second. I know you don't see it right now. All right, I'm going to share this with you. Okay, there's a chart of GLD. All right, there's the 11th, right here's the 11th. So you all already know, I think you know this, the prior week we got out of all of our, um, um, we, we don't own any of the stocks, right? The market's starting to, to implode. And so what I told you all is we're going to focus on the metal itself, not the stocks, right? So let's see how that did. There's the metal right there. Here are our favorite two names, Newmont, Cratered, right? And Barrick, you know, in, you know, Barrick's breaking down, right? So these things, I mean, they're not, they're doing much better than the market, let's be honest, right? But they just got whacked. That doesn't, that doesn't look like date. That date is not up to date, guys. Sorry about that. Why is that? Hmm. That's strange. That data is not up to date. So those stocks are down a lot more. But let's go back to Gold Trust for a second, okay? Um, we sold off positions on the 11th and the very beginning of the day on the 12th, okay? And the reason we're out of that position, it occurred to us that correlations just aren't working. We're in a stock market crash. That should have put gold up, right? Uncertainty, fear. That's the fear trade. Gold should have gone through the roof. Gold was not responding. We added our gold positions. We raised our stops. We cut the positions in half when we realized this is not responding the way it should. And then the next day it came down and hit our raised stop. So do I like gold? Do I like silver? I, I do. 
But at the moment, everything is correlated to a crash. And so I don't want to have anything in the portfolio except for cash and Gilead. So let's move over to Gilead. All right. This is interesting. Gilead's not really responding too much um, to the positive news that I think is coming out. There's a picture of Gilead. You see where we added it, okay? 63.82. We doubled the position around 65 and change, so we have twice this position size we wanted. The stock blew out. Then I spoke to you guys last week, and I said in a bear market crash, everything goes down. I need to protect my capital. I'm selling. Remember last Saturday I told you, I'm selling my stock, book a profit, take the profit, either half, two-thirds, or all of the profit if you want. And I bought calls, calls that go out till May 15th, just to be safe. News is going to come out between now and the end of April. Okay? The news that's coming out right now is pretty good. Follow me on Twitter. I tweet as often as I can about Gilead as we follow this story. We just read a story from the Investor's Business Daily about how 14 passengers from the Princess cruise ship were all administered Gilead drug. Half of them are recovered and out. The other half are getting better. Nobody has died. It's just 14 people. But it seems like the news is going to be good and continue to be good. I also shared with you a really cool, I mean, I... I've been hunting down people that I think are intelligent on the internet that are following this story. And I reproduced a chart for you. Um, breakdown of information coming out of Wuhan, the hospital in Wuhan dealing with this. You know, um, there are 41 people that have been given an antiviral. They don't say the name of the antiviral, but that hospital has already told us that there's only one antiviral that's working and it's Gilead's drug. So I'm assuming that this is anti. The antiviral is resminivir. I hope I'm right, okay? But it does say 41 people administered, 70% of them cured. 30% didn't make it. Okay, these are patients who are in the ICU in the midst of physical breakdown, right? This is not prophylactic. This is like it's this or they don't make it. 70% have made it after being administered the antiviral, which I think is resminivir, resminivir, or however I pronounce that. Forgive me if I'm butchering it. Okay? So I just wanted you guys to understand. For me, from this point on, I can't impress upon you enough how important this is. I don't have any risk to my principal at this stage. It's a win-win for me. I've made money. I've booked profit. I didn't put 100% of it back in the options. So I got a profit on this trade. If I'm... If I'm right and they deliver and they protect and this stock goes through the roof, I'm going to make a fortune. Great. The reason I did this, I'm not an options trader, guys. I don't normally play in options. We're in a, we're in a very unique market that's, that's, that is destructive to capital. And so I'm not going to sit and hold my position here in the stock with the market crashing. I don't know what the stock's going to do. I don't know what the company's going to say. They could say that they cured the disease or whatever, and they're going to give away the product uh, to cure people in an altruistic way, and the stock will go down. I don't know. Obviously, I don't think that's the case, but I'm just saying we don't know. 
And in a market like this, you've got to protect your capital. Okay? So, um, anyway, I just wanted to update that. All right. So, um, let's move on to the q and I'm going to answer any questions. I'm going to start with one question. I had um, a couple guys ask me about, about Slack, okay? One of my favorite um, disruptive growth names, like the paradigm shift that's going on. Um, that Slack is at the forefront of, I think is very exciting. And I think it's going to be a big stock. Does it mean I own it? No, right? We're in this market crash. I mean, weeks ago, I sold it for a profit at 29 and change. Go log into the armorreport.com. Go look at the armor portfolios. Scroll down. I have an archive of all the decisions we've been making. You'll see. Work, sold, 29 and change. I love the idea, but you don't fall in love with stocks when the market's imploding. You have stop losses. You book profits. Okay. Um, I listened to the conference call. The stock got crushed on the call. And I had some guys saying to me, hey, your favorite name is getting killed. Let me tell you something. The stock market's imploding. Any news that comes out can be viewed as a positive or a negative. So they trashed the stock in the midst of a market collapse. Who cares? I listened to that call. They're killing it. The company's killing it. Why the stock go down? Because they said, we don't know what our next quarter is going to be. They said literally they cut a deal with a big enterprise company that was um, a big enterprise deal for a, with a financial institution. And the CTO of that financial institution told the CEO of Slack, the door just closed on business. You got in under the wire. That's how important Slack is to the financial institution. We, we closed that deal and we paid you. And now I just want you guys to know there won't be any deals done for the foreseeable future. And you wonder why the stock is down with earnings? Because they said, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they have a sales force that has to go out and make sales calls. They're not getting in the air to go anywhere. So revenue is going to collapse in the next three to six months. Sell the stock. Okay, great. Sell the stock. Bring it right to me. That'll be one of the first stocks I buy when I think that this whole thing is blown over and we start to have a normal environment again. Not at the top of the whiteboard. If you want to know what's at the top of the whiteboard, what are the stocks I'm going to buy first, you can log in, armorreport.com, A-R-M-R report.com, and you'll see what I'm buying when I'm ready. I'm not ready yet. I'm building a list of the stocks I want to own. Work is not on that list. I, I, not, I'm not going with names like that yet. I'm going to go with big names with big dividends that have been crushed only because of the market and not because of coronavirus, okay? All right, questions. What do you got for me, guys? Let's see. I'm going to just take it up to the top here. All right, what do I think about uh, selling option spreads in a high volatility market, green ghost? Um, you know, um, if you're good at that and you can do it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm not an options player. That's not my thing. I use options every now and then like I am in this market really because I want to limit my risk of capital. But if you're good at that, hey, man, have at it. I would only say that the options market usually fleeces most people most of the time. For the few of you who understand how to, how to execute correctly, understand theta and delta and all the things you got to know to make sure you're getting the right prices, I'm sure you can do it. But for the vast majority of investors, the options market is not a place to play, in my personal opinion. 
um, so just be, just beware, right? I mean, the guys who sell options make money 90% of the time. Why is that? The market makers who are out there selling you those calls, right? So you really have to get, um, it's hard for me to say because you can make a fortune with options, right? But it's just most of the time you won't. That's my experience. Okay. Unless you're good at it and you focus on that. If that's your only focus, more power to you, man. Um, do you think there is actually going to be a credit freeze? What does that mean for the average person? I do not think there's going to be a credit freeze. That question is from Manifest Good Energy. I do not think there's going to be a credit squeeze, uh, freeze. The Fed came out this week and said, we are going to liquefy the markets couple trillion dollars in the next couple of weeks, an unheard of amount of money. And then the Fed and, and um, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin came out and said, and we will continue to do whatever we have to do to keep uh, a businesses functioning correctly. I believe that. I would not bet against that. I was here in 2008. Um, I think that the Fed and the Treasury Secretary's um, learned a lot from that lesson. Had they stepped in earlier and done what they just did this week to liquefy, 2008 would not have been nearly as bad as it was. So I think that they're going to be out there adding liquidity and doing whatever they have to do to keep businesses open. So that's not a fear of mine. You know, history repeats, uh, rhymes, right? It doesn't repeat. I don't think it's going to be a credit for you, squeeze. Um, I understand your position, not buying, but on updates says here, okay, before fun times. I understand your position of not buying, right? But on up days, the most oversold stocks move 15%, like um, the amusement park fun. Okay, why not take a small position? Hey, man, have at it. If you want to do that, I'm not telling you not to. But I'm just saying um, the Armour Report is about managing risk. So when risk skyrockets like this, um, I'm not going to come on YouTube and recommend you try to day trade for a 15% gain, you know, in an airline. You see what I'm saying? That's your thing, your gig. If you want to do that, go for it. But the Armour Report is about following algorithms, managing risk, protecting capital, and then capturing upside. So you're kind of on your own if you're trying to do that. Now, guess what? I do it, right? I choose to trade the S&P and the NASDAQ. I don't go buy those stocks because in my mind, if I could get the S&P up 10% on a given day, I don't need the risk of, you know, I don't know, uh, an airline stock. I mean, I'm happy to get the 10%. And I, I just take a much bigger position size than the S&P because I know there's liquidity there. That's the key to me in a market like this. If a piece of bad news, let's say you're in bits of those trades. Let's say you're taking small positions in some of those names and then a piece of bad news comes out and the market starts imploding. What I have found on individual stocks is that the spreads widen. Sometimes there's no bids. Things drop faster than you can get an order in and you're getting crushed. The S&P and the Qs trade like water. So I can get trades on and off. And so I take, you know, I'm, I'm taking about 30% of my portfolio and buying the S&P and the NASDAQ at particular lows. And then flipping that out at the end of the day, booking a profit, taking some of that profit and buying the calls for the next day if I, if I think the market's going higher. 
Um, but there's nothing wrong with it. Give it a shot if you want. It's just not my thing, and I would certainly never recommend that on a YouTube channel that you go do that, okay? Um, okay. Okay, so um, Young in Stock, you're asking me all kind of the same question about a credit um, a freeze. Do I think there'll be a lot of bankruptcies? And um, do you need to take cash out of the bank? Um, I don't think there's going to be um, a, a banking collapse like 2008. But I did take some cash out of the bank. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I did. I think it's ridiculous. Okay. But I did. I did. I took a little just to have some on hand. Although, quite frankly, in the midst of a coronavirus outbreak, I don't know who would want my cash. And all business is going to be done with a credit card. I mean, honestly. Um, so, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just kidding with you. I, I'm really not concerned about a 2008 collapse. The Fed and the, and the Treasury will continue to add liquidity at not, as, not, at, as much as they have to, okay? And I believe they will. So, you know, could I be wrong? I mean, I could, but again, let's don't live in the past and worry about a 2008. In 2008, they didn't know what to do. Now we know what to do, and they're doing it. So I'm not, I'm not worried about that. All right. Um, how do day traders manage slash offset capital gains? Okay. So um, manifest good energy. You're asking about capital gains question on day trading. You, you, you don't. You pay your capital gains. It's like ordinary income, right? It's just you're, you're making money and paying your taxes. And I don't really ever worry too much uh, in my investments or on this show or for 30 years plus that I've been doing this. Uh, I don't make decisions based on paying the government. This is the rule. One of the rules on the um, Armour Report rules of the road. Not sure what number it is, but remember this. Remember it well, okay? The government, when you book a profit, the government will take its piece. But the stock market will take it all, okay? The government will take its slice, but the stock market will take its all, all of it. So you're a beginner, and you want to be a buy and holder, and you have some big gains in there at some point in your life, and you're like, the market's breaking down and rolling over, but I don't want to book a profit, so I don't have to pay the government. Well, guess what? That profit that was, who knows how much you're up, will go to zero in a market collapse. I bet you wish you paid the government. You see my point? So anyway, that's just about capital gains. And for day traders, there's no way to offset that. You're, I'm booking profits, and at the end of the year, whatever my profits are are like ordinary income, and I pay my taxes on it. Um. All right, so um, Zoo, you're asking me about, um, and forgive me, is that how you pronounce it, Zoo? I think um, uh, we have uh, experienced a skyrocket at uh, 350 in the afternoon Friday. What's the meaning of that? Could you give us your opinion? Stop on next week. Okay, so, um, yeah, you know, there's a couple of reasons for that. I think um, there's two reasons for the, uh, the rip at the end of the day. Um, number one, and call me a conspiracy theorist, but... On Thursday, the Fed stepped in and added massive amounts of liquidity, and the market closed on its lows. Fed didn't like that. White House didn't like that. I think the Fed 
and the White House. And by the way, when I say the Fed and the White House, they don't go out and do this, but there are a uh, um, council of investment banks, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. They all get together at times like this, and they all talk to the Treasury Secretary. We know that from 2008, okay? And so they get um, – if the Fed is willing to add liquidity at a massive rate, they're going to sit in a room with the Treasury Secretary and the investment banks, and they're going to say, hey, take some of this cash and go buy the S&P futures at the end of the day. we got to mark this thing up. Right? We've got to stop the panic. Can you imagine the panic over the weekend if the market was lower after an announcement that the Fed's going to add $2 trillion in the next couple of weeks? Right? So on the one hand, I don't think it's conspiracy. I mean, we saw them do it in 08, and I think they're doing it here on Friday. They had to mark up the market at the end of the week. They could not allow that thing to close at new lows going into the weekend. Okay? Um, that's number one. Number two, you know, any shorts that were out there hoping for a new low started to get squeezed and they just covered, covered, covered right up to the close. So stuff that happens in the last 15 minutes of the trading session is crazy. Okay. It, it doesn't really mean much. It just kind of, it makes it hard for you to make a decision, but you really don't want to make decisions at that time of day. Okay. Um, what do I think of the market next week? God, that's anybody's guess. Um, where's my money in my mouth? I, I did carry calls over the weekend. I bought the calls earlier in the day. Um, so I, I expect the market to be higher. And I'm doing that because I believe that the Fed's adding massive amounts of liquidity and they're going to do what they can to arrest the collapse. It doesn't mean the market won't be lower two weeks from now. But I think the 30% collapse in two weeks was too much for the Fed and the Treasury Secretary to stand. And so I think that they're in there as a buyer of last resort right now, and they're going to do what they can to get the market up for at least a I, – I, I don't know. This is just a – I mean, we're just spitballing, right? This has got nothing to do with the armor report or algorithms or anything. It's just my personal opinion. They're going to try to put the market up. Um, and then the Fed steps away, right? And then the Fed steps away, the market could go down again, and then they'll come in and support it again. Their, their job is not to put the market to new highs. Their job is to just stop the panic. And then the market could begin ebbing and flowing normally, and that ebb might be more of a sell-off. And then it gets off, gets into a panic, and they'll come in and do this again. Just a question of how many times do they have to do this? And I don't know the answer. So my answer to you of what the market will be in short Next week is read and react, son. Read and react. That's what my hockey coach used to tell me in high school, okay? Let's don't try to predict. Let's just read it and react, even though I just predicted. <laughs> All right. Um, options in the money or one or two strikes out of the money? Are you buying one or two weeks out? Um, the options on the S&P that I'm buying um, are a little bit out of the money, you know, um, like, for instance, um, when the SPY was trading at like 255, I was buying the 260s. Um, and um, I'm buying like three weeks out. I don't know why. I should probably buy one week out if I'm just doing short-term trading. Um, 
I guess a small part of me thinks that if the whole thing really, really were to rip higher and do it for an extended period, I might exercise and take the shares. So I'm not just a pure trader of options. I'm trying to figure out where am I going to get a position on that I hold if a bottom is in, you know? Um, Youngin. We could have sold out a lot last week. Oh, yeah, I don't care about wash sales. I really don't care. I don't, I don't care. Um, I don't worry about taxes like that. But if you can, here's my only thing about wash sales. If you could find a similar asset to avoid the wash sale, I'll do that. Right. So if I own the cannabis stocks and I own MJ and I get out of it and I want to get back in a couple of weeks later, I don't buy MJ back. I buy, you know, the top three cannabis companies that are on my list. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, if I owned um, um, Newmont and, and Barrick and I don't want to wash sale, I'll go buy, you know, GDX the next go round. So that's how I handle wash sales if I want to avoid it. Um, Um, you love that rule. Thanks so much. Okay. How do you, hemp stocks and related themes, hemp stocks and related themes. Um, I don't have anything to say about that right now. I'm not, I'm not buying themes. I'm just buying indexes right now in the midst of a crash where everything's correlated and even gold's going down. I'm not looking for, a particular sector of the market to participate in right now. Oh, Jeremy, brilliant. <laughs> That's what I'll do from now on. All right, guys, I think that's it for the questions and answers. I really appreciate you guys playing today. Uh, I look forward to talking to you guys on Monday. We'll see where we're at at 1130, and we'll go at it again. All right? You guys have a great weekend. Um, try to forget about this. Just have some fun. And take care of your loved ones, right? We're in a very odd time. We're not leaving the house. You know, remember what life is really about, and it's not about money. Okay? Take care, guys.